Hey, welcome back to the Leadership Locker. This is Rich Cardona. I'm super, super happy to have Jesse Iwuji on episode 42. He is a naval officer and NASCAR driver, and he's black. Whoa, like, he's black. Wait a second, a black NASCAR driver. Yeah, um, and the funny thing is, while this episode was geared towards focusing on systemic racism and the challenges that he overcame in order to be a NASCAR driver, and by the way, he started at 27 years old, is that his positivity, his optimism, and his outlook really led me to believe that the challenges he faced, no matter what they are, no matter if they were systemic, whether they were self-induced, whether they're part of the industry, none of it mattered. And none of it matters for any of us if we just want it. And that's what I took away from this interview. And, you know, for Jesse, I'm going to talk about in an Instagram post that was posted with his picture and it said F-U N-word on it. And this is what triggered this interview. I saw him post that on LinkedIn. I was like, I want to talk about it. But his outlook, his action, his focus in terms of dealing with racism and challenges is all nothing because he has a vision and that vision is vivid and clear and that is how he became a NASCAR driver. He saw himself driving a vehicle. He saw himself training. He saw himself putting on a uniform. He used the power of vision to kind of help him realize there's absolutely nothing that can stop me. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, as you'll hear from him, uh, it doesn't mean that there weren't challenges, but it's how he dealt with them. So this was absolutely refreshing. I think you guys are going to really, really enjoy the episode. So please go ahead and subscribe if you want to get more episodes like this. And last but not least, this episode is brought to you by my good friends at tippytoesdance.com. Megan Riley and Sarah News are two sisters who run an organization of 30 plus franchises with dance schools for your children to be able to dance, have fun, get creative, learn ballet, learn hip hop moves, learn just, just having fun. Now, obviously, because of the pandemic, they had to move things virtually. So that is obviously an option as well. But for those states who are slowly coming back, uh, studios are reopening. And if you are a school that is interested in having Tippy Toes come to your school and have fun with your kids and let them be creative and burn off some of that energy, then you definitely got to check them out at TippyToesDance.com. Let's get to the episode. Here we go. Welcome back to Leadership Locker. Uh, you got the great intro on Jesse already, and we're just going to get right to it. Um, I'll start with the question I'm sure you get asked all the time, but uh, how did you get started in NASCAR? And can you tell me some of the challenges, not the normal challenges, but the challenges because of your appearance that you faced and any apprehension you may have had? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So for me, I have a lot different story as far as getting into racing, getting into NASCAR. Uh, most people who are racing, you know, they, they've been doing it since birth. I mean, they were five years old, racing go-karts, working their way up all different kind of series until they got up to NASCAR. For me, 
I didn't start racing until I was 27 years old. So, um, yeah, that was uh, definitely different. I had to take a little bit different path. Um, you know, growing up in Dallas, Texas, where I'm from, um, you know, football was a big thing. You know, both of my parents, they came from Nigeria. They had immigrated from Nigeria in the 80s before having me and my two brothers and sister. And, uh, you know, we grew up in Dallas and we all played football. My sister played the other sports. And, um, you know, going into high school, I had this big goal to go off to college and play college football. And, I, and um, you know, I worked really, really hard, you know, from ninth grade all the way through 12 just trying to get myself into a position where I could actually get recruited by schools because I wasn't very great at football to begin with, but um, I worked really hard to get myself better. Eventually by senior year in high school, I started getting recruited by the Naval Academy and some other schools. And I looked at the Academy as an opportunity to go off to a great university where I can get a great education. I can, um, you know, uh, play football for a team that's winning a lot of games. And also when I graduate, have a career started for me as an officer in the United States Navy. So I took that opportunity, went to the Naval Academy, um, played there all four years, got to beat a lot of great teams like Army <laughs> and Air Force and Virginia and all those folks. <laughs> so um, had a good time doing that. And um, I graduated in 2010, um, became a surface warfare officer. So for those who don't know what a surface, war war surface warfare officer is, uh, we operate the ships. So I was on ships for my first four years in the Navy. I was on two different ships. Uh, uh, first ship was a minesweeper. Second ship was an amphib. Deployed on both of them. Spent a total amount of time, about 15 months in the Arabian Gulf, um, before coming back to uh, shore duty, um, you know, in the U.S. back in uh, 2015. But, you know, during my off time when I was like, you know, between deployments and all that stuff, when I was back home in San Diego, I was really developing this passion towards cars and racing. And I would take my personal cars to local tracks near me to drag strips and road courses and do like open track days. Anything. Oh, sorry. What was your personal car? <laughs> know, personal man. cars uh, with the S on the end. <laughs> uh, I had a Dodge Challenger SRT8, um, and I had a fully built motor. It was supercharged. It was making over 900 horsepower to the wheels. And then I had a Corvette Z06, and that was my road course car. So my, my car that could turn was a Corvette. The car that could go really fast in a straight line as a drag strip was a, was a Challenger. <laughs> All right. So so you started really, your affinities clear there, and then, and then you took it a step further. So it wasn't just like, this is a hobby. Maybe it's more. Pretty much. Well, once it hit about... Uh, uh, it was January 2014. I was sitting in my room one night and, um, you know, after you know a few years of doing kind of the amateur stuff, I was like, you know what, I want to take this to the next level. I want to become a professional race car driver. So I took my whiteboard off the wall and I wrote on the whiteboard and I put, pretty much put goal number one, become a professional race car driver. And that's literally where the journey started for me. Um, I took this vision that I clearly had in my head of me, you know, walking out of driver intros, you know, in the cup series, um, you know, getting ready to race at a big cup race or something like that. I just saw myself doing that. And I was like, you know what, I can be this person. Like I can be a professional race car driver. I don't know why I'm thinking this, but like I can. And um, then began putting energy towards it every single day. Um, started researching on it, all that stuff. There's a lot of negativity online. People saying you can't do it because I don't come from a rich family. I didn't start racing when I was five years old. I'm black, you know, whatever, like all this stuff. Um, and I was like, I'm not gonna let that stop me. I'm gonna get there. Like I see it, I believe it, I can achieve it. So um, from there, it was a lot of grinding of networking, finding the funding. I started my own small business to make extra money on the side. Um, I was just doing everything I could to put myself out there so that people could hear my story and hear where I wanted to go and help me. And you know, basically worked my way up from running late model stock cars in 2015 to now I'm racing in the National Series of NASCAR and the NASCAR Truck Series. How did you detect like that this was like literally an obsession 
where you are able to just be like, I don't give a shit like what you think or what you say, because I know it had to be there, man. Like even your best <laughs> friends that you've been on ship with and had crazy times with, they're probably like, dude, really? <laughs> yeah, no. Some people did look at me like that. And what I realized quick was um, this was going to be a very thin pathway. It wasn't going to be this huge path where everyone's going to be right behind me, pushing me along. I mean, now I have a ton of support, but a lot of these people here today weren't here yesterday, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, I do remember the people who were here in the beginning who believed in me too. But um, yeah, um, yeah, it was tough because at first, you know, I'm going after something that's it's supposed to be impossible. It's not possible. Like, you know, I don't come from this. I don't come from that. I didn't have this background, blah, 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 all this stuff. Um, yeah, it, it seemed impossible for me. In my head, what I had to realize was like, there's not going to be a lot of people who is going to believe in this. At the end of the day, the only one who can actually achieve this right now is me because I see myself doing it. As long as I vividly see in my mind that I can do it like I have to see it for myself that means I can actually achieve it for myself no one else is going to be able to see it for me a few people might because they can deeply think and they can see past things and they can see the big picture but a lot of people they can't and I can't be mad at them the reason why is because God did not put that vision in their head mm -hmm. he put in every every single person in this world's head of where they should be or where they should be going and all this stuff and if if you weren't given my vision, then I can't expect for you to see it. So if you can't see it, that's cool. Let's go on your way. I'm going to still make it. Talk to me about the challenges of getting the real support you need. I'm talking the sponsorships, the finances, you know, the whatever for someone like it's one thing if I'm trying to start racing cars at 27 years old, and then obviously it's different when it's, when you are an African-American, it doesn't matter if you were a sailor, what was that like? And how did you ever, feel like how the hell am I going to have these conversations and try and convince these people in a sport that next to hockey is I mean you know what I mean like it's predominantly white like what was that yeah. like yeah yeah no definitely some difficult talks for sure um you know I did my best to um keep race out of it um because I I figured it was completely obvious I'm like look I'm black like I'm not even like light-skinned black like I'm black black you know yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, I did my best to not have to ever really mention it because I figured it was already obvious. So what I leaned on the most was I'm, 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 I'm a little bit different more than the African-American side of it, but I'm different in other ways. Like mm -hmm. how many service members are actually racing in NASCAR? None. How many Naval officers, how many U.S. Navy personnel, period, have ever raced in the top three series of national series of NASCAR? No one. No one's ever done it. I'm the first one to do it. Why hasn't there been any others who have done it? Because that barrier to entry, the money side of it, trying to find sponsors, it's just tough and people just haven't gone after it. And maybe some people have, who knows? But from what I've seen and learned, I don't think really anyone's really gone after it. People just thought it was just completely impossible. So for me to even get to that point, to actually push myself and continue to try to make something happen, like I was like, this is my story. People are like watching and rooting for this story. I have eyeballs watching me. That means I have a fan base. I have an audience. I have people that your company could actually sell products to, could sell services to, could market in front of. I have that audience. They're supporting me, which means they're going to support you. And those are the type of conversations I had to have with these companies while I'm trying to find sponsorship. And they and they recognize it and like, that's cool because they want to rally behind a great story, something that they can push, that they can get in front of people and people are going to like and support. At the end of the day, every company needs that good story. But were there companies that you were just like hoping to get and and, and detected that maybe uh, there were factors involved that were inexplicable and you kind of were like, this, 
the only reason can be because how I look or or did that not happen? Um, so there, I wouldn't say I detected it completely from any companies that I ever like sat down and talked to. Most of the ones, if I got to the point where I could sit down and talk to them, um, usually they were all really super receptive. Um, um, maybe I would say along the way, there's people I have met who I did have some thoughts. I'm like, eh, I'm thinking this person is like not giving me a time of day for like probably just one reason, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people a time of day and not me. So I, there's sometimes I can notice that vibe. Um, I don't see it all the time. I see it sometimes, though. Um, but, you know, for me, I just don't let it bother me. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many people in the world who might be racist or whatever. And if I want to go become a millionaire or a billionaire, I can. I mean, I can. It's it's, it's like no one's going to stop me. Like, the only way you can actually stop someone is if they're not living anymore. And that's not going to happen. So, um, you know, as long as I keep on pushing, I'm the only person in my way. There's people who who might try to get in my way, might try to slow the journey down, might try to deter and distract, but they can't stop me. They can all, all they can be is just a little roadblock and it's all right, I'm gonna move around you. I'm either gonna go over you, around you, or straight through you. Why are you able to look at it that way and in comparison to to many who feel deeply uh, some of the issues that to them seem insurmountable. What is it about you that allows you to do that? And that like, why are you unique? Yeah, um, for me, uh, you know, there's a lot of different reasons actually why there's not even just one, there's actually a bunch. Uh, one of them is the way I grew up, you know, both my parents, you know, they came from Nigeria. My dad, when he came from Nigeria to here, his dad, you know, my granddad, he didn't just say, hey son, you know, I'm so proud of you. Um, you know, good luck in, in, in the U.S., you know, um, uh, let me know if you need anything, blah, blah, No, he didn't tell me that. My, dad, my dad's dad told him straight up, he's like, son, you have the Wuji name, and it will be a complete embarrassment if you go to the U.S. and do not succeed. With everything they have there, if you do not succeed, you have embarrassed us. There is nothing that can, no excuse, if you do not succeed, you have embarrassed us. Remember that, go there, succeed, and that's it. The only option. That's it, you know? And my dad was like, Roger that. And he came over here to the U.S. and, and has had a successful life, successful family, and all of us are doing great things. But that's what it took, you know? And, and I think a lot of parents don't have that hard conversation with their kids nowadays. A lot of parents here in the U.S. take things for granted. Everyone thinks, oh, my gosh, I have the hardest life in the world. You haven't seen the hardest life in the world. Just step outside of this country and go other places and you will see what a hard life is. My mom, at age 11, her mom was super sick and my mom was basically tasked with taking care of the family. My mom, at age 11, each day after school, had to go to the river and fetch water and bring it home. And that's the water they used to cook, clean, shower, all that stuff. At 11 years old, imagine telling an 11-year-old right now, Hey, I need you to go to the river, however far that is, with buckets and pails and fetch water. You're probably going to have to take multiple trips. And by the way, you got to do this after you come back from school. And then you got to also do your homework and then eat clean and all everywhere and take care of your little siblings, too, that are younger than you. And then the next day, go to school and you're 11 years old. How many people go through that right there? So those are the parents that I lived under. And they instilled all this hard work on me. And the thing is, my parents, you know, throughout my whole life, they didn't do a lot of talking, right? They just did a lot of showing. They went and made things happen. My mom, um, you know, uh, through between 1997 and 2001 or two, she was working seven days a week as a nurse, uh, a minimum of 12 hours a day, seven days a week, and owned her own business too, where she was at. So usually um, her seven day a week schedule was 
work the uh, business job. She had a she had a party supply store, so she'd mm-hmm. be at the supply store from nine a.m. till five p.m. and then she'd be at her nursing job from seven p.m. to seven a.m. So those couple two or three hours in between each is when she got a little bit of rest and to eat and all that stuff and chill. But she did that seven days a week for many many years. And she never, ever came to us and said, hey, guys, you need to work hard to achieve. No, she didn't have to say anything. She just showed us. She was like, words are cheap. I'm just going to show you, and you're going to see it, and you're going to basically take it on. And that's what we did. Another part of it is five years ago, I realized how powerful our minds are. Um, Our minds are ridiculously powerful. We can do so much. And, like, people don't even realize, like, eventually we're going to have, like, telepathy. Like, we can actually do that. Our minds are set up to actually do that. When people understand how powerful the mind is and how what you think about, bring about, you start realizing that you can go a very long way. So let me ask you, Naval Academy, NASCAR, here you go. You have your own company. At what point did you start to think to yourself, like, I have some big-time social responsibility on my hands, and this is what I have to do with it? Uh, What was that like? Yeah, um, I, I knew from the beginning, honestly, from probably when I started racing in 2015, I knew immediately that I had a big responsibility because there's people who were starting to look up to me, people who were supporting me, all that stuff. I was building a fan base. And then I knew, I was like, you know what? Like with everything I'm doing, I have to be able to give back. I have to be able to help people. Like that is my new responsibility. You know, since I started racing, I don't know how many messages or emails or calls I've gotten from people who were like on the edge of like, you know, jumping off a bridge, committing suicide, doing something like that. They didn't know me from Adam, but they just saw me in the light I was trying to put out and just figured I was their last hope. And they didn't know me. And the thing I wasn't friends with, I didn't know them, nothing, but they would reach out and they put they they put their issue on me. And I like every time something like that would happen, like at first I'd be like, oh my God, like why me? Like why like like why this just happened? Like I gotta figure this out, or this person might be dead tomorrow, you know? And, but then I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? Like, why not me? You know, the reason why, like, God put that in front of me, because he knew I would accept the challenge. He knew that I could be the one to keep this person on earth here. Like, he knew that I'm the one. So I'm like, if I, I need to be the one for people. And I, I might be the one for just a 1,000 people. I might be the one for 50,000 people. I don't know. But whoever I need to be the one for, I need to be that one for them. It's my responsibility. I put myself on this platform here. I've grinded hard. I've had a lot of support. Now that I'm here, i got to use it for good to help people, whether it's help elevate their life or sometimes even help save their life. So um, when I've been put in all these positions, that's really when I knew that, hey, like I'm in a place where I need to do good things for people. I need to help people. People help me get to where I'm at. I did not do this all on my own. I've had people come in where I had nothing left and they came in and just like saved the day. And I was like, man, if you're able to save the day for me, why can't I save the day for someone else? That's really, really heavy. Uh, And I love how you flipped that kind of from. Uh, almost like a burden to like a blessing, right? Like, okay, like this, this is what you go to sleep and be like, this is what I did. Uh, and I, you know, I didn't seek it out. It landed here and, and this is what I did with it. So I, I think that's real powerful, man. Uh, let's talk obviously a little bit about what's been going on in the country lately. It's been absolutely uh, bananas. Uh, I saw, and I'm just going to mention it, uh, the post you put on LinkedIn and Instagram, which was from a, an account that, of course, I looked up and it, no, it's not there anymore or blocked or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and it's a picture of you. Um, you know, clearly you, it's a headshot essentially in you in your uniform, your racing uniform. And it said F you and it said the N word. When you get something that hateful, that evil, that public, what is the first thing that goes through your mind? And then, you know, whether there's a calming down period or whatever, how do you predicate your response? Yeah. So, um, you know, that stuff, it happens. And, and the thing is, 
that exact post happened it's like three and a half weeks ago almost four weeks ago now is when it happened i never put it up back then when it happened um what made me actually put it up was um with some more recent events what's been going on in nascar there was um a situation that happened a couple days ago where um yep. Buck wallace's uh pit his garage is um his pit stall area or wherever it was um his garage area um they found like this 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 rope that looked like a noose and Somebody thought that maybe it might have been a hate crime or whatever. They come to find out that it was something that was had been there for like a year or so, and it wasn't meant to be a news. It was meant to be like a thing garage pull, yeah, or whatever, yeah, something like that. So, um, you know, whatever, like it, it happens. You know, at the end of the day, I'm glad NASCAR jumped on it and took it super serious. It's the same thing as if you find a backpack laying at an airport. No one's gonna just walk by and just be like, "Oh no, it's just a backpack. Just let it be." Because if you do that, the next thing that we're gonna have another 9/11. Right. So you got to take everything serious. So I'm glad it did, even though it, it, it somewhat of a, was a little bit of a kick. You know, a lot of people have been getting on NASCAR, but, oh, you took it way too serious. I'm like, no, you didn't. But anyways, that was why I posted. I posted to show people, hey, that, like racism actually is real. Like, I know this news thing is going on and we're trying to figure out, was it real? Was it not? Was it, you know, w- w- did someone purposely do it? Did they not. Uh, but, you know, with everyone questioning it, I'm just I, I was trying to post it to be like, look, you might be questioning this, but just realize, like, there is racism that is going on. Here is, boom, fact right here. This I didn't post this. Somebody else did. You can see it was posted on Instagram. Um, 26 people liked it. You know? I know. That's, I'm sorry. I have to interrupt. When I, like, that's what stood out to me. I'm like, yeah. who in their right mind would be like, yeah. Like, it's all. Oh, you got double tap it, by the way. You, yeah. do, you know? So anyways, um, yeah, so I put it out to kind of show people. And for me, when I see that stuff, I see this stuff, like, I wouldn't say I see this, like, on a daily basis. Um, I would say one to three times a year I see something like that. Um, and, and every once, like, only maybe one of them I'll usually post up. And just what I, I, I post up, not because I'm just trying to get attention, like, to me. Uh, it's more of, hey, guys, like, like, I need to start exposing people. When, when they're trying to be exposed. Like, if you if you want to be racist and stuff, you're going to get exposed and people are going to deal with you. Like, I'm, I'm not going to handle you. I'm going to let all my people <laughs> handle you. And I have a lot, <laughs> a lot of supporters. So um, that's why I put it out. But, um, yeah, for me, you know, I don't really get mad at that kind of stuff because I'm like, you know what? Like, at the end of the day, if I, like, found out who actually did it, if I actually went to their home, like, if I actually saw them, it'd probably be, like, some super loser guy sitting in their mom's basement who has nothing going on, eating on Cheetos, like, like super overweight, like, <laughs> thing going on in life, nothing good. You know, that person who's going to put something out like that. But I'm like, I can't let that affect me. Like, I'm out here doing some big things right now. They're wanting to be me, right? Like, like I'm living a story that they want to tell their friends, you know? Like, that. that's what I'm doing. So I can't let it affect me like that. Um, and then, you know, the biggest thing for me is just making sure that I just, you know, remind people that, hey, guys, this is out here. Don't, let's not, let's not act like it's not out here. It is out here, especially a person like me who is probably as neutral as it can get, you know? If you look out through my whole social media, I'm not, like, super this super that i yes. are on this side front i am about as neutral as it gets i just try to be super positive i put out positive messages like that's all i do i just try to be funny and positive and <laughs> that's all i do so so like if you're even able to think that like it's okay to like call me the n-word like that and put it big and on a my photo and post i mean come on now you know so um i can't get mad at it i'll let everyone else get mad at it i'll let everyone else kind of be my <laughs> What is it that you feel is is the, the the factor or factors that lead people to believe it's not entirely true or they don't want to believe it? Um, because it's not happening to them. And maybe they don't live in an area where it's happening a lot, right? 
I mean, just, just like I kind of mentioned earlier, um, you step outside the bounds of this country and you start going to other countries, other places like, you know, quote unquote, world countries, and you see the life that some of these people have to live. People don't understand that here. Like they don't say, you know, they just think the world is all fine and dandy, like everything's all good, everything's all cool because they live in their little, just comfortable cocoon, not realizing like there's a rough world out there. There are things happening out there that like would make you puke if you saw it. Like, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of stuff that's happening. You got to understand that it's out there. I'm not saying don't let it consume your every single day and you just feel miserable because the world is just going to crap. Like, don't, I mean, I'm not saying that, but understand that it's out there. So if someone is having a not so great day because of this, these issues that are happening to them, like understand it, be understanding, have a little bit of sympathy and empathy and understand like somebody is going through stuff. Just like um, people who, um, you know, uh, our soldiers, airmen, Marines, whoever, who are going overseas, going to, you know, Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, wherever. And, you know, they're, they're in the combat zones, they're experiencing a lot of stuff. And you don't get to see, we here in the U.S., we don't get to see that. You know, we don't get to see what they're going through. We don't get to see how many people they got that, you know, got shot at and all that stuff. We just know that they come back and we see them as a person. All of a sudden, when they're having issues, they're like, why are you having issues? They're like, looking at it kind of weird. Like, why are they being like this? Why are they having these issues? Well, because they've seen a lot of stuff and been part of things that we don't even know. So, like, like don't judge them. Like, they, they, they're fighting their own little battle. Everyone's fighting a battle. Like, if I'm having, like, marital problems at home, like, I might not be telling people about it all the time. Yeah fighting a little bit. So if I act a little strange, you know, like take, like instead of just jumping at someone, be like, hold on, let me stop and let me listen to you. Let me see what's going on because everyone has their own little battle they're fighting. So let, let's listen, listen, understand that battle and be like, okay, I haven't seen it. Like, and I haven't been part of it, but you are going through it. Obviously you're not lying to me. So like, let me be empathetic, you know, of it. Yeah. So I always ask at the end, what in your opinion is something we could do people who maybe look like me or my wife or whoever to address it even though maybe like we talked about like not exposed to it or don't see it or whatever it may be what do you think we could do um i think the two biggest things is one um when you see if you see racism because a lot of times sometimes it won't pop out in front of my face like someone might not come to my face and and call me the n-word or this and that they won't do that sometimes they'll do it behind your back in yeah. place they feel comfortable in doing it, thinking yes. that around them is cool with it. So if you're part of a group or you're in a group or in a space where someone's doing that, I think people, we need to start calling that stuff out. Like, don't be afraid to step up and challenge them. Imagine if it was your mom, your brother, your sister, and someone called. Like, imagine if it was your sister and someone was like, oh, man, that, you know, what? I, like, yeah, that, you wouldn't let it go, right? You'd be like, what? Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> you wouldn't go so treated like that. Be like, okay, what if that was my brother? What if that was my dad? What if that was my granddad? And it could have been your granddad or something like that. You know, let's let's not let things go. When you see it, you know, make the make racist people feel really uncomfortable to be racist. The more we can do that, the more they're going to start hiding it. But we can't we can't cure everybody. That's not going to happen right now. But we can help put them away so bad that they can never bring it out and they can just only keep it in their mind and then eventually and then they'll, they'll never get out and we'll, we'll get better. So um, that's number one. we got to expose it. When you see it, expose it. Don't be afraid to step up and make a scene. Whatever you got to do, stand out and make sure that, that person never does it again. The other part of it is um, it also starts at home, right? Each one of us, all of our families, we all at home, we need to teach our kids, black, white, 
Mexican, Chinese, it doesn't matter. It's not just a white thing. It's not like white people, you need to go home and no, 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 no. It is everyone. We all need to teach our kids morality, ethics, and values because there's things happening on all sides that are attributing to what's going on right now on all sides. And that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of people want to say, oh no, it's just, it's only just the, the cops that are at that, that are the issue, or it's only just white it's everybody we are all doing something wrong that's attributing to what's happening right now so everyone go home and teach your kids be like hey this is what morals are this is what values are this is what ethics these are morals these are values these are ethics live your life like this and you, and you don't just have one talk with them you enforce this every single day when your kid gets out of line and starts and starts going crazy like you need to step up and let them know like look that's not right you can't do it and whatever you got to do it like however you gotta do it my parents they spanked us right and yeah. uh, we're living in 2020 where maybe spanking doesn't work anymore <laughs> doesn't like maybe you go I to jail for that. i don't know but yeah, like whatever like you know whatever you gotta do to enforce it enforce it and make sure your kids know every single day what is right what is wrong if we don't do that we will never get anything fixed no man no you're right man they so they see, you know absolutely so uh i cannot thank you enough for your time uh i know the audience and and I wish you absolutely the best uh, as you continue to just work your way up to just prominence in NASCAR and uh, all these great things. Now, obviously, the last thing is people want to find you. People want to talk to you. People, where can they do it? Uh, and what social media platforms do you like to be on the most? Yeah, um, I'm on all of them. Um, people can reach out to me on um, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, just shoot me a direct message. That's the best way. Um, I, I don't, I, I try to look at all the comments that I can, but I can't get to all of them. Sometimes, sometimes I miss them. So um, if you really got to get to me, just shoot me a message. Make sure you follow all the social media platforms. Um, my name is Jeffy Iwuji. That's uh, J-E-S-S-E-I-W-U-J-I. If you can't remember that, go on Google and type in Navy NASCAR driver. <laughs> pops up for about. All right, that is a wrap. I really, really hope you enjoyed that episode. Jesse is obviously extremely inspirational and we all wish him the best. Uh, if you enjoyed it, please give some time and thought to maybe reviewing it and rating it so that way more people could hear stories like this and some of the other guests I've had on and we can get this thing going. Also, if you are interested in becoming part of our newsletter, which we are working on right now, please email me at rich at richcardonamedia.com so we can make sure you get in there. Again, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate your support more than you possibly know. Talk to you next week.